Mental health check-in with Lee. Come on and check-in with me. Mental health check-in with Lee. Come on and check-in with me. Mental health check-in with Lee. Come on and check-in with me. Come on and check-in with me. Mental health check-in with Lee. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Mental Health Check-In with Leek. Today, I have a special guest, Michael Davison from the Traders USA. How are you doing, my brother? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thank you for, you know, <laughs> listening to the podcast, liking some posts, and just saying yes to coming on the podcast to talk mental health. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're very welcome. I enjoy it. Okay, so my first question I'm going to ask, I'm pretty sure you know the first question because you listen. My first question to you is how is your mental health? My mental health is good. Like it's, it's, I guess it's good. Like I have like this weird thing about mental health. Like in my mind, I automatically go to like depression and um, I don't really have that, but I definitely have anxiety over every little thing in the world. So, I mean factoring anxieties in I guess I'm just coasting through life but I mean my mental health is good I'm in a good spot I'm good that's good that's good I like to ask that question you know just in case you know somebody you know is going through something you know they can be going through something um and you can be like hey how you doing you be like I'm okay you know we always say you know as men I'm okay I'm okay you know yeah. but are we really okay? So, you know, I always ask, how's your mental health? I feel like that opens the door to, you know, to a deeper conversation. So thank you for answering it. Thank you. My next question for you is growing up, was it okay not to be okay growing up for you? You know, I think so. Um, I know this is very similar to what Cerise said, <laughs> but, yeah. you know, I think so, but I don't know so. Like, mental health wasn't really discussed in my home. Like, it was always just, like, me and my mama, like, um, and we didn't talk about it. We didn't talk about mental health. I didn't really know what uh, mental health was. I didn't know what different uh, mental health problems were. I didn't know. I guess I always knew I had, like, social anxiety. I just didn't know what social anxiety was. You know, like, I can remember... um, I'm from Kentucky, okay? I'm from a very small town in Kentucky. We go swimming in the river, you know, like that's just what we do. And so I can remember going swimming in the river. My aunt would take us to the river and people would show up and I would just get like frozen, so embarrassed that like people were coming and I would get out and wrap a towel around me and then get back in the river as if that didn't draw enough attention to me, right? But like, I just like, going to get my haircut, I was terrified that somebody would walk in and me get my haircut, you know, that that somebody would see me with my head half cut and half not, like even mowing my yard. Like I was like, oh God, what if it don't start the first time I crank it? What if like somebody drives by and sees me mowing the yard? So like little things like that. And so I would always just like, kind of just get weird and be like, no, I don't want to do this. And so my mama was very understanding and she's like, it's okay. You don't have to, you don't have to. So whether or not she knew that I really struggled with anxiety or she was just babying me, <laughs> I don't know. Cause mamas do that, you know? Yeah. So, um, 
so I think that it would have been okay to to talk about it, but I didn't really know what to say, and nobody else ever mentioned their struggles. So I just I don't know. I didn't know that it existed, but I knew that something was existing. So I think it would have been okay to talk about. I just didn't know to talk about it. Yeah, um, I definitely can't relate with the whole social anxiety. Like for some reason, I don't know why. Right. Um, I feel like I have like this bubbly personality and after COVID and whatever like that, I just recently, I think because I started dealing like with a lot of trauma, like rehashing trauma that um, I, for some reason, had social anxiety. Now. Like a lot of people that know me, they're like, when the heck did you get social anxiety? <laughs> just, like, I don't know. Like I feel uncomfortable. Like well, I'm in my head. I'm just like, I don't want to do this. I don't, you know, I'm just always in my head. So I can relate with you. Yeah. Social anxiety, man. That thing ain't no joke. Um, my next question for you is: um, there is a stigma, right, surrounding mental health, right? But there is a stigma surrounding men's mental health, where they say, you know, men, you have to man up. You know, you have to be strong. You know, yeah. You, why are you depressed? You know, get over it, man up. What do you say to that stigma that's out there about men's mental health? You know. Going along with that stigma, um, I don't have statistics in front of me. And honestly, I don't even know if it's accurate. I'm just assuming just based on the things that I've heard and the people that I know personally, I'm willing to bet that if you look at statistics, the suicide rate for men is probably much higher than what it is for women. You know, just, yeah. and so I think like even me, like, I know you said that, you know, you don't really discuss the show, but um, I actually had a full-blown anxiety attack on at the end of episode two, I believe it was, on the show that I was on. And like even having watch parties with my friends, one of them made a comment, oh my God, you're not crying on national TV, are you? You know, and so it like it happens, you know. But I I you know what, it's it's tough. It really is. But I think transparency is, is what helps people. Like if people can't relate to you you're not going to benefit them. You're not going to influence them. You're not going to help them in any way. And truthfully, if a lot of men would be more open about it, maybe the suicide rate in men as opposed to women wouldn't be so high, you know, so. Yeah, so that is true that that suicide rate is high. And, you know, talking about that, I wanted to go to the next question. Anybody that's struggling with any thoughts of suicide, every time I talk about suicide, I make sure I mention a suicide prevention crisis number. The number is 988. If you are dealing with any thoughts of suicide or any deep dark depression, make sure you or someone that's struggling reach out to that number, 988. have a question for you, Michael. Could I answer the question first? I'd like to answer it first now so make my guests feel comfortable. They want to answer, you know, my question is like, have you ever dealt with any thoughts of suicide? If not, have you lost someone to suicide? But I'll answer first. Um, I um, a childhood sexual abuse survivor. You know, I was molested by two of my male cousins growing up. You know, I didn't start dealing with it until I got 26, 27. You know, I went back to church and I was like away for a long time. I realized I had issues trusting men and being around men. I felt comfortable. I felt like I felt comfortable around women and everything. But men, I felt comfortable. So, you know, that, you know, trauma messed me up. You know, 2019, lost my mom to liver cancer. And then nine months later, lost my sister. Um, it was just like so much. So suicidal thoughts have been in my mind a lot. You know, thank 
you know, the Lord has a bit of my mind recently because like, um, like guys, I'm not a mental professional, I'm not doctor, but I've been like using um, shrooms, like psychedelics, you know, and it's definitely been helping my mental health. I had, I had a suicidal depressive thought and weeks and the stuff that was happening, I should have had one, you know, couldn't get, couldn't get one because of the shrooms that I'm taking and everything. So, you know, um, anybody out there struggling, you know, I, I get it. You know, I get where you just, it was times, so many attempts that I almost made or tried to make, you know, times where I just didn't want to be here. I hated life. You know, make sure you talk to someone, get into a community, you know, NAMI, I volunteer for NAMI. We have free support groups. Make sure you get into a support group. It's not intended to replace therapy, but, you know, there's something about being support groups and people supporting you that has been through probably the same stuff that you've been through. Um, you know, I will say I, I've never had thoughts of like ending my life or anything, but I have called the suicide hotline. Um, I actually called them recently. I called them on Christmas day and they helped me tremendously. Um, like I said earlier, I was raised by my mama. Uh, the reason my parents were, um, murdered whenever I was a kid. And so, um, on November 4th, I was blindsided with news of a divorce. Um, yeah. November 6th is the anniversary of my parents' murder. And then, of course, you have um, Thanksgiving, which is a huge family-oriented holiday. Um, I have three kids. I, with the divorce, come losing them 50% of the time. You know, we have to split that custody 50-50. And so... Right after that, I got my own house, um, a lot more expensive uh, than the house I was living in when I had two incomes. And so then right before that, you had Christmas, or right after that, you had Christmas coming up. And I was just in a really like, again, I don't know if it was depressive because I tied depression with suicide, um, yeah. but it was a very low woe is me type oh god I don't see anything ever getting better I don't feel anything ever getting better moment for me it was probably the lowest I'd ever had um I like I said I was blindsided with the divorce and then two days later it was like okay the anniversary that I lost my family and now I don't even have any other family <laughs> like I really have nobody and I yeah it was it was really really tough and so I actually called 988 on Christmas Day and I spoke to them for probably 45 minutes just because I was lonely, because I was scared. I wasn't having thoughts of ending my life, but I didn't like where my life was. I was just scared and lonely. And so um, the lady told me, and it was honestly the best advice I think I've ever gotten. Um, she, and she didn't even ask me questions or anything. She talked to me like a friend. She did not even say, hey, what's going on? Nothing like that. She literally spoke to me as a friend. And she made a comment to me. She said, you know, Michael, um, if you were to get up and do something for 15 minutes, your mindset will change. She said, if you're depressed, get up, walk around. If you're in the house and you're, scared to be alone you don't know what you're going to do go outside go to the park go someplace crowded do something for 15 minutes 
until your mind gets off of it. Because in in 16 minutes, you'll be like, whoa, you know. But for right now, focus on the next 15 and get up and move. Get up and go. Get up and do something. And it was just such a help for me to hear that. And yeah. so, like, I still find myself at times being like, oh, man, I wish I wish my kids was here. You know, like, I come home to empty house sometimes, and it's like, you know what? I don't want to go home. I'm just going to go to Walmart, you know? And yeah. I'm going to drive to Walmart in the next town over because I can. Because I'm a grown-up, and I don't have a certain time to be home. I can. So I turn the heat on high and the windows down, and I turn the music up as loud as it goes, and I just sing, you know? and I act a fool in my car, just singing to the top of my lungs. And I drive to the next town over to Walmart to buy my dog food instead of five minutes up the road to the Walmart here. And it really does help. Find yeah. something to occupy yourself for 15 minutes. And I guarantee you when the 16 minute mark hits, you're not going to feel the same way anymore. But so, yeah, I have had to call 988 before. Um, but whether or not I've had suicidal thoughts, I've had very low depressive god i don't see a way out of my situation thoughts but i don't know if i've had i'm going to end my life thoughts thank you thank you um anybody out there that's struggling you know remember you can dial the suicide prevention um, crisis number 988 you don't have to be suicidal you know you could be bored you know you could just like michael need somebody to talk to you can just um you know, whatever they're feeling, they are there. You don't have to be suicidal or just, you know, any. you don't have to. You could just call them. They are there for you. Um, my next question for you, right, you know, ladies and gentlemen that's listening, you know, Michael was on the Traders USA. Um, I had to ask you a question. How was that? How was doing that show mentally for you? How was that? You know, probably your first time. This is your first time reality TV. You know, that, <laughs> that show seems like is like can mentally mess with you. <laughs> so it seems like you know, yeah. all blaming, yeah. all blaming each other. Who's the traitor and this yeah. and stuff like that. How was your mental health doing that show? I'm not sure if you watched, but they were all blaming me. I know. They were I know. all blaming me the first half of the game. Uh, it was all on me. Um, but no, um, I, I went with the expectation of I'm going to have a really good time. I'm going to have an awesome experience and a cool story to tell when I'm 80. And so I think having that mindset helped me a lot. It really yes. did because it was rough fighting from the bottom. It was rough. You know, I had one person who vocally defended me and that was Rachel. Um, I had a few people that I could depend on like Christian and Amanda and Sari that weren't, that weren't voting for me. Uh, yeah. But I only had one person who spoke up in my defense. Everybody else was just like, mm, you know. And, well, Quentin did at the round table, but, you know, around the castle, it was always just Rachel. Um, so it, it, was, it was. It was very exhausting. Um, and then, you know, I'm not, like I said, I'm not sure if you watched or watched the reunion show or not, but um, I don't want to get into it or trash anyone, but there was one specific contestant who – happened to be a traitor. Like I said, I had a full-blown anxiety attack. Um, this person knew that I was legit having an anxiety attack and that I wasn't faking. They knew that it was authentic. They knew that I was like just freaking out mentally. Yeah. Um, 
And so whenever I got, and then that person continued to vote for me, but I didn't think anything of it because I was like, you know what? It's a game. They had to play themselves. They were out for them, their money themselves. No big deal. Yeah. And so when I got home, I was speaking with that individual and I'm like, you know, I take nothing personal. It's no big deal. It's a game. But then when I watched the show back and this individual was like, hey, let's murder him. It's like, if I'm your shield, why do you want to murder me? And I get that you were like voting for me because that's what the majority was doing and you didn't want to stand out. But don't say that I'm your shield and then try to get rid of me. And then don't go to your private banishment room and be like, hey, let's murder him too. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. no, you, you capitalized on the fact that I was struggling and it just really struck a chord with me. And so, um, yeah, it was, it was harder watching it back for me than it was yeah. actually being in the game because watching it back, you saw people's motives. You saw people's, you know, true selves come out. Whereas in the game and after the game was over, you're convincing yourself, man, they were just playing for themselves. No big deal. They don't know me a lot of money on the line, but watching it back, it's like, Oh wow. Okay. You did know you did know and you continue to do it. You did it publicly and privately. So it was it was much harder for me adjusting, watching it back. Because yeah. it's like, I, it just, it was mind blowing to me. The things that people said and done just behind my back, it, it, it hurt a little bit. It, it stung a lot of bit, you know? And so it was harder watching it back than it was actually playing it. And um, I get it, you know, we are all human and stuff, human. And I always ask people that have been on reality TV, like, how is it? Especially the ones, like, like Big Brother is different because it's, like, all live and everything. Yeah. But I always ask, like, how do people deal with, you know, like, watching that back? Because I know that could be, like, you know, mentally, you know, can do something to you, especially if you think somebody was cool with you or you didn't know that what was going on. Do you watch it back, like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Um, next question for you, reunion wise, how was that mentally for you? You know, you know, you watched the show, you was watching it, and you know, y'all it wasn't sure as yet if y'all was getting a reunion. Y'all got a reunion. So how was that for you? I, I loved it. I did because I had made great friends. I talked to Christian every day, I talked to Amanda every day, I talked to Rachel every day. Um, I was so excited to see everybody. Um now, like I said earlier, though, I have social anxiety, so I get very overstimulated very easy. And yeah. so we filmed for probably, I'd say, three hours. Before that, we were in hair and makeup forever. Um, mm -hmm. And I was just a lot of people. And I'm just like, I'm overwhelmed. I need to go back to my room and just retreat and go to myself. And so immediately after filming, everyone went to like eat. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to pass on this. I I need some me time. I need to recoup. So I went out with them later that night. But immediately afterward, I went back to my room and just took a nap. And so, yeah, I, but I loved it. I did. I loved getting to hang with everyone without the stress of, you know, the show and the nerves of, are you lying to me? You know, it was fun. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, next question. Would you ever do another reality TV show again? I would do it in a heartbeat. I would do it in a heartbeat. I don't know if I would do something. I would do traders in a heartbeat. Like, call me now. I would do Survivor in a heartbeat. Like, Jesse, call me now. Uh, something like Big Brother, probably not. Um, I want experiences in life. You know, yeah. I want 
I want fun things that I've never done before. And I just don't know how ex- how good of an experience when you talk about mental health and outweighing the good and the bad, how good living in a studio lot, having your life taped 24 seven for everyone on the internet to live stream. Um, <laughs> I don't know how fun that would be to do that for a hundred days, you know? Um, yeah. So I would much rather go to Fiji and live on an island and starve, you know, than I would go to a studio lot in California and have someone watch me use the bathroom or something, you know? Um, I want to say, Michael, I love you, but you could, I would never do this to Survivor. I would never. <laughs> so I had like Survivor, you know, three on there. I had Desi Williams. Yeah. And I always, Desi Williams from Survivor, I'm like, I would never do that. She was like, never say never. I'm saying, I'm saying never, ever. First of all, <laughs> saying I, never. I, I've never watched that show before. So watching, I told her, I was like, mentally, I would go crazy on that show. I said, first of all, I live in, in this out in open where bugs is there. I say, you know, the bathroom is y'all see, you know, the washing up is y'all see. I said, I just, I just. Yeah, I saw definitely that would mess up my mental health. I said I couldn't do it and stuff like that. Yeah. So I'm surprised that you said you would do Survivor before Big Brother. I would. I, I would hands down do Survivor or Big Brother. Cause see, like the hardest part about traders, like the hate. What I, I got a little bit of hate on Twitter, um, and it's funny because I've actually spoke with Quentin and Andy both about it. Um, yeah. I was accused of being racist because um, there was a moment. Yeah, Quentin had my back. Quentin, Quentin was a great guy. At the round table, he spoke up in my defense. Um, yeah. And so I loved him for it, and I'll forever be grateful for it. He'd done it in a way that actually wasn't even shown. He'd done it far greater than in a way that wasn't even shown. Um, but I'd made a comment that Quentin was very well-spoken. And yeah. again, I'm from a very small town. I'll be the first one to tell you it's predominantly white, you know, like yeah. – I mean, yeah, we're definitely white privileged here. Um, I mean, as far as like financial situations, it's a very impoverished town. Like it was um, on Idol Gives Back a long time ago, whenever they did American Idol, like Jennifer Garner came to our town to do Idol Gives Back yeah. multiple times. Um, I think the uh, New York Times ranked it the sixth hardest place to live in the United States. Oh, wow. uh, it was ranked the, like the sixth poorest. Actually, they ranked it the hardest place to live. And then the census poll ranked it the sixth poorest county in the nation. So, um, I mean, so when I say white privilege, I mean, we don't understand what people of color possibly go through as far as being stereotyped. So I will be the first one to tell you that I'm very unlearned and uneducated and ignorant on topics of what might be unintentionally offensive to some. And so I made a comment on the show um, that Quentin was very well-spoken. Um, to me, that's a high compliment, but um, to a lot of people on Twitter, it came across as like microaggression, um, yeah. saying that people of color or black men are just uneducated and stupid, um, yeah. and that I was shocked that there was a smart black man. And so again, I'm, I'm not going to ever like minimize anyone's feelings or anything like that, but that was the furthest thing from my mind. To me, it was a compliment that he was just so smart. Um, but it came across as microaggression to a lot of people. So I got attacked so hard that I was racist and that I was a bigot and I was a Trump supporter. Apparently my politics, um, my political preference was automatically known by saying somebody was smart, who knew? Um, but, um, yeah, it was, it was rough. And so shows like Survivor, 
you get that edited filtered version of you and then you see what people are saying about you live um, yeah. in real time something like big brother you're stuck in the house no contact with the outside world every single thing is broadcast live on the internet um like i remember a couple seasons ago danielle um was singing the dance monkey song it was a very popular song a couple years ago yeah. she was singing dance monkey and the uh, people on the live feeds like who were watching just tore her apart saying that she was singing it about a house guest who was on the block who was a person of color i guess like saying you know like monkey or whatever and that like just the thought of me being so careless and saying something that could be perceived as something else yeah. and then like my family getting the brunt of it oh gosh mentally big brother would wear me down i would be thinking about that the whole time i would be so self-conscious like what have i said what have i done did i compliment yeah. someone in my eyes that's offended somebody else like, I could never do Big Brother, ever. Mentally, it would just break me. I could never do Big Brother. I think with, like, stuff like that, you know, like you say, where you grew up, you know, privileged town, some people just don't know some stuff that they say it may come off, you know, and social media is definitely going to run with it, especially if you don't know. That's why, I like, always support, like, you know, I have friends, you know, um, my friends that I sometimes have to educate of, like, what, like, what may come off wrong or, like, you know. Yeah. Like what you may say, maybe you know, offenses and stuff like that. So you know, like the fact that you know you said Quentin vouched for you, which is good and stuff like that. You know, it's all about like a learning process. You know, learn. We gotta learn each other. We all come from different backgrounds, different cultures. Especially if you live in a town, he says, you know, not, not, it's all white people. It's just like not a not enough black people over there and stuff like that. So the fact yeah. that you know, like get into like my friends. I know people that. They ask their friends, what, like, what's okay? What's cool not to say and stuff like that? So, you know, as long as you do that, you'll be good, you know? Yeah. I still, I still want to do Survivor, you know? I still want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> do that. But um, let me get to my next question. You know, I know you talked about grief, right? Um, how has grief I'm sorry? Affected you? Grief. I know you talked yes. about grief. grief. How has grief yeah. affected your mental health? Um, grief is a funny thing, you know? Um. I don't think I really truly experienced grief until I became an adult. I really don't. Um, as a kid, you know, like I said, my family was murdered. Um, me and my sister were both in the home. We survived a home invasion. Someone broke into our home and killed our parents. Um, but as a kid, it's like I suppressed it. I just didn't talk about it. I didn't want anyone to see me cry or think that it was upsetting me. And so as an adult, I got involved in a program called Celebrate Recovery. Um, basically, it helps people who have like hurts, habits, and hangups, whether you are struggling with like chemical dependencies or just life hurts, or you're affiliated with someone, like say you're the mother of a drug addict, or you're the brother of a cancer patient who just is given no hope, you know, so for family as well. And so when I got involved in Celebrate Recovery, um, as a leader, and I would begin to share my testimony and speak about it, that's when I really started to heal because that's whenever I started pulling everything that I had spent years burying deep in up to the surface. And so I feel like as a grown man, I struggle more with grief than I ever did as a kid. I ever did as a kid. 
Um, just because it's something that I talk about now. It's something that I don't hide anymore. <clears throat> and so um, I can be good for three weeks. And then a random Tuesday on my lunch break, it just hits me, you know? Um, but it's, it's such a funny thing. But I, I like to focus on the good in life. I'm very yeah. blessed. I'm very fortunate. Um, and you're never going to see anything good in life. If all you're focusing on and talking about is the bad, it's very important that you are transparent so that people can relate to you and that you can help people. But don't be so focused on that, that you become that person. And so um, I'm, I'm a very blessed person. I, I do have grief, like I said, more as an adult but I, I balance it out very well with all the, the good things that I've got going on. Yeah, yeah, thank you for that. Thank you for that. I'm so sorry that, you know, you said about the home raising, the appearance being murdered. I'm so sorry about that. Um, my next question yeah. for you, uh, what are some good coping skills you could recommend to someone that's struggling with their mental health or social anxiety? You say good coping skills? Yes. And you hold you on, say before coping you answer, skills? Okay. Skills, before, you, before you answer, I, I like to say this in episode two, um, my coping skills or Michael coping skills may not work for you, but I want Michael to say yeah. his coping skills because it may work for someone. Um, my coping skills is I practice gratitude. I practice gratitude every day. Um, like, like I was saying earlier, it, I really struggled there for a little bit because I just moved into a new house. Um, I had lost my wife. I had lost my kids 50% of the time. I had lost half my income, you know, because I'm on one income now. I'm a single person. And so um, I was really struggling. And then it was like, Michael, you have everything that you've ever prayed for. You have a fenced-in backyard for your dogs to run around in while you're at work. They don't have to stay in their crate anymore. <laughs> like they have a place to exercise. You have enough bedrooms in this house that you and your kids each have their own bedroom. You've always wanted an updated kitchen and an updated bathroom. Your bathroom is the size of your old house put together, like the entire house. You know what I mean? So like, what are you upset about? No, you don't have your kids with you 50% of the time, but that's okay. They're with their mother and they're well taken care of the other 50% of the time, you know? And so I look for the good in every single thing. I look for the good in every scenario and I focus on that and I thank God for that. And I, I always give praise for my blessings um, more so than I just give like disappointment for my hardships. And so, like I said, if you focus on one, you're going to find that one. So always make sure you're focusing on the one. I heard a little quote one time that said, um, the battle between good and evil is won by the one that you feed the most. And so it's the same thing, like the battle between, you know, depression and happiness, the battle between struggles and blessings is won by the one that you feed the most. We all have it. You know, it may not be the same struggle. It may not be to the extent of other people's depression, but we all have our issues, but we also all have, our blessings. We all have our favor. We all have our good. Focus on that good and you'll find yourself living more in the good. That's my coping skill. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> like I said, ladies and gentlemen, 
everybody's coping skills may be different. It may work for you, may not work for the next person, but I love to ask about coping skills. And my last question for you is, um, what can you say to someone that's struggling mentally? Why is it important that they put their mental health first? You know, some of us, we like to be there for others. But like, what can you tell someone? Um, put yourself first. Put yourself first. I know that sounds extremely selfish to some people. Um, I'm a dad. Trust me. I got a 10-year-old, a 6-year-old, and a 5-year-old. If I don't take care of myself, I can't take care of my kids. If I'm in a bad mood, I'm cranky, and I'm just yelling over spilled Gatorade in the floor or something. You know, I lose my temper very short if I'm in a bad mood or if I'm just sad or upset or frustrated. Put yourself first. Always put yourself first. That doesn't mean that if a fire breaks out, you're running out, leaving the kids in the house. That's not what putting your, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying mentally take care of yourself because you cannot adequately take care of anybody else. And I promise you this, they want you to take care of yourself first. They want you to be pleasant, to be around. They want you to be happy. They want you to be able to, to tolerate you. They want to be able to do those things. And if you don't take care of yourself first, none of that can happen. Um, I love to go hiking. I go hiking a lot. So like if I don't have my kids and it's a pretty day, even when I've been hiking in the snow and the rain, I go out and I take care of myself first. Um, yeah, take care of yourself first. It doesn't mean that you are, you know, like if you got $5 and your kids are hungry, that don't mean you're sneaking around and going to get a Big Mac. That means you're mentally taking care of yourself first. So. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Davidson, thank you so much for coming on thank and you. saying yes. Thank you so much, so much. You got anything you want to promote or anything that's going on with you like in the future? Uh, not that I can talk about right now. No, okay. but soon, soon. Follow me on Instagram for updates on that. But yeah, soon, so. All right. Thank you so much for saying yes. This was a great conversation. Thank you so much, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you for having me. No problem.